And I was kind of offended. He interrupted. I was like, do people just barge in on you? And he's like, walked out and he goes, Victor, when people come to the church for counseling, we don't hit them. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. All right. Good morning. Uh, you enjoying yourself? i tell you what. You ever been to a pastor's conference where they paid for you to come? Put you up in San Diego? I like this. This is tall cotton right here. Well, greetings, and uh, I'm stoked to be here. Let's just start with the dog, because I've become invisible since I got Scout. I walk around, people are like, beautiful dog. Who are you? So, Scout is a six-year-old Belgian Malinois, and I've had her since she was trained as a pup. She started training at five weeks, went to, I think, about 14 months, and then we uh, with our organization, we deployed out to Iraq pretty quick. And she's one of the few dogs that's actually faced ISIS fighters. And then women and children we had rescued or recovered, once we got to our safe house, she was letting them hug her and hold her as a therapy dog. So I tell people she's a therapy dog that bites. <laughs> Get up. I'm just going to take her leash off and... In case somebody charges the states to hurt me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we travel a lot. Um, and we were in an airport one time. And uh, this guy and a gal walking up to me. And the, the gal goes, hey, can I pet your dog? I said, well, thanks for asking. Because it says don't pet. But I said... Women and children can pet her, but thanks for asking. So she pet her. And then the guy went to pet her right afterwards, and I kind of pulled him out. I said, hey, hang on. He goes, what? He goes, we're rude, and we're at an airport. So he raised his voice. He said, what? I said, well, my dog's really not trained for guys, you know, to, to pet her. Just kind of women and children. As sure as I'm standing there and she's sitting there, this guy raises his voice and says, how dare you judge my gender? You can't judge my gender. That was funny. I, I was like, that's a good one. He wasn't joking. And, I, and then he goes, How, you have no right to, and he starts getting louder and louder. And now people, you know, people start turning out the phones when I said, hey, man, calm down. He goes, you have no right to, why would you judge my gender? I was like, well, you kind of got a scruffy beard. (laughs) If you're trying for something else, you ain't trying much. (laughs) And then he goes, you know, he's still aggravated. And I just said, hey, man, calm down. I tell you what, you go ahead and uh, try to pet my dog. We'll let her decide if you're a male or female. (laughs) 
he chose not to exercise is. And that's what I find a lot of people who are so passionate about weird things. Their passion only goes so far. It's easy to talk, but then when you're really challenged with something, that's, I have a background of martial arts, the gift of laying on hands, and I never forget a guy comes into one of our karate schools, and he has a bunch of guys behind him, and he's got a sign. He walks right in, and he holds the sign, and it's a scripture that, you know, Jesus was a peace-loving person. He forgot about the flipping tables and, you know, all that, but uh, he was trying to tell me as a Christian, you can't teach people to fight because he's one of the passive Christians. And uh, I said, well, man, I, I appreciate that, but I'm actually teaching a class. It's, you're kind of disrupting it to make your point. And I said, uh, we, we're not going to agree on this. And he's got a few guys behind him. He's just like, you can't, you know, and I'm like, well, you're kind of being aggressive right now. And fun, he wouldn't leave. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to slap you. And it ain't going to be a girl slap. I'm, I'm going to palm you and knock you down. And I want you to get up, and then I'm going to do it again. So show me about turning that cheek. And I went to hit him. He dropped the sign. He said, hey, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm helping you prove what you believe. Apparently he didn't. And I remember telling the guys behind him, this guy doesn't believe what he's saying. He's talking a lot, but he doesn't believe. And that's the one thing about me. When I came to faith in Christ, you know, I, I knew who I was. And I knew how desperately I needed a Savior. And quite honestly, I stand before y'all. I didn't know my life would turn out this good. It wasn't supposed to. But God's word is true. He's faithful. And probably one of the hardest things for me was to learn how to become who God made me to be. Not be conformed to the image of Christians. I tried being a pastor. Actually, this is the first pastor's conference I've ever spoke at. Hey, it only took 35 years. Now, to be fair, I'm a Calvary Chapel guy. How many of you are Calvary Chapel people? I mean, I see a lot of y'all. Well, I congratulate you for being brave enough to come. I know, I say what most people think. <laughs> There's good and bad in that. But yeah, you know, you, you get in trouble stepping outside the fold. I just never fit in the fold from the beginning. I actually was on staff here in Vista, not far. Uh, Brian Broderson was my pastor. That just got quiet. I'll let the quietness speak for itself, Brian. But I was a pastor on staff, and, uh, 
you know, I was just out of the Marine Corps, and uh, I was pretty zealous for the Lord. And if those of you remember the 80s, you would be put, like, right in the mix, right? Right in the mix uh, because you were zealous. And I remember, <laughs> I remember getting a counseling appointment for a marriage couple. I wasn't even married. And uh, so the, but he, he, the parents, the daughter was in my little, you know, Bible study group. And the guy comes in, he had cheated on his wife. And he was asking, man, would you please help reconcile me and my wife? And I believe in forgiveness and, and all that because God's forgiven me of so much. So I put them back together. And then about three months later, he did it again. Now, I, I got a strong back and a weak mind. That's what my brother says. So I re- I'm thinking, I want to be spiritual, but you're just kind of stupid. I'm sorry if that offends some of y'all. This is who I am, and sometimes it's okay to be offended. And let me just give a little disclaimer. I'm not nice. I'm not a nice person because I know me. And when Christians start wanting me to be nice, I go, stop, I'm not nice. Ask my wife. She's been moving around the world. Ask ISIS. But I, I do desire to be kind. Because actually, if you look at the fruits of the Spirit, nice ain't in there. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded pretty profound, didn't it, David? I, I think I should stand for a minute. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I tell women and single gals, be careful of the nice guys in church. The nice guys want something. They'll be nice until they don't get it, and then you'll see their true character. But a kind man who's a gentleman, who hopefully is dangerous because that's the best type of man I like, a dangerous gentleman. And women like them too. Right, wives? I tell them, you better be careful of those nice guys. They're the kind guy. He may be rough around the edges, and this, but he'll open that door for you. He won't push you to do something that you're uncomfortable with. He'll guard and honor you. And when I met my wife, that was my whole thing because I knew she was way out of my league. And uh, doggone it, well, there's a lot I can talk about. But being kind, the fruits of the Spirit is what we should aim for. And uh, I fall short plenty. But back to this counseling appointment, this guy ended up, I reconciled him. I told his wife, it's up to you. You have biblical grounds of divorce, this bum. But you do what you want. She took him in. And seriously, about three months later, I get a call from her. She said, hey, things are just falling off the rails. He's out of control. He's doing like ice, crack. He's so high. He was fighting, and then he cheated on me again. That's what the fight was about. He just left the house, but she, she was crying. She said, our little daughter was by the front door, and he just punched her and knocked her against the wall. She goes, what do we do? What do I do? I said, first call 911. 
and, and immediately t- that, this dude needs to go to jail. She goes, well, I'm telling you in case he comes to the church because of his pattern. And I said, oh, I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> Guess who came walking in the church? Oh, yeah, high and just, you know, <laughs> he saw me. He went for another pastor. I said, I got him. We went to my office this time when we walked in. I sat him behind my desk, not by the door. I sat by the door and locked it. He's like, oh, man, it's bad, it's bad. I I, I messed up again. I cheated. And and then Larry's like, can you help me? I said, well, I I know you messed up because she called me. He's like, oh, really? I said, yeah. She said, you hit your daughter. That toddler and bounced her off a wall. And then he goes, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I should be hit. (laughs) I thought to myself, a lot of things I'm not good at. But conflict, I'm very comfortable. I don't know. I feel like God gave me a gift for violence. (laughs) Against the manifestation of evil. Some of you are laughing because you're going, oh, bless God. How many times do you wish you could do that? So anyway, I jumped up and I went to fulfill his wishes of being hit. As I have him on the ground and he's screaming, the door's being pounded on and, uh, uh, Pastor Gaylord, who some of you know, uh, he's in heaven now, but he's beating on He's like, Victor, Victor, and I stop, and I remember opening the door. True story. Crayon eater. And he goes, what's going on? I said, I'm counseling. <laughs> and I was kind of offended. He interrupted. I was like, do people just barge in on you? And he's like, walked out and he goes, Victor, when people come to the church for counseling, we don't hit them. <laughs> but I'm ready. I'm ready for this. My legalese, I said, no, no, I know that. It's okay. He actually said he thinks he should probably hit. That's a waiver, so I can just beat the fire out of this guy. Church is going to be clear. He's like, oh, okay, you're not, why don't you just take a walk? I'll finish this. And my first thought was, he's pretty racked up. You can finish him. (laughs) I remember walking down the hall, Calvary Chapel Vista, and pastors were in the doorways. They're like, (laughs) I'm like, it's not a big deal. Go get some. He's still done. Soon after that, I was encouraged to extend my personal ministry in other places of the world, <laughs> apart from the four walls of a church. Um, so, young guy, love the Lord, and trying to find me. I, I tried to conform, uh, and, and I even tried to pastor a church. I still because that was the thing, and I just wasn't any good at it. Led a lot of people to the Lord, but nobody would stay. 
and I offered free counseling. Wasn't a, that might have been part of the problem. You know, what I like about, I hadn't heard anybody say this, but it's true for me. There's been some benefits of COVID. Look at us. I'm glad the benefits of COVID, we started finding out who's who in the zoo. And, you know, as some of you know, I, we have a presence on the whole social media deal. So I would just ask questions of pastors directly. And then when they would fail to answer me, I would publicly ask them. And then I would, then they answered. Last year, it's, there's analytics, it's right there. We reached over a billion people on social media. I can't believe it. The engagements were in the millions. And I'm just like, so I questioned a few guys who I had once respected. Because the problem with me is I believe you, Pastor. You taught it. I told Raul Risa yesterday to his face. I mean, long enough distance in case he... Because Raw can, he can still get it. I said, I blame you. I blame you because I believed you. I blame you for how I am today, Raw. He's like, thank you, God bless you, man. Jesus bless you. <laughs> He's one of the few pastors that would always text me back. Love you, Jesus, love you. He would take me to some event. He was there for me. Marines, martial artist, he got me. Look who was here yesterday. Him. You don't think that takes courage? So finding out who's who in the zoo has been very encouraging to me. I went through my library of books, 30-some years of books, and I'm going, nope. And I had a dumpster, nope. This dude fell. I don't care what he has to say. Nope. It is what it is. Time to clean house. And if I had my druthers, I would appreciate Turning Point, Faith, being an umbrella for a lot of pastors who are stuck and want to live bold and faithful and courageous but are stuck in the middle of something instead of having a covering and a protection to say, live your conscience, live your faith, stand up. Stand up. Instead of, why, what are you doing? I've got guys who spoke from this platform text me and said, oh, I've been disassociated because I took a stand. I'm like, you can hide behind the gospel, but Jesus was a table flipper. I love how some, I call them super apostles, always bringing that gospel. A part of the ministry that my wife and I do, we've been doing it for 20 years, we do high risk work, and, but we have a house in Iraq. 16 times I've been there, planning for our 17th pump. We went in when ISIS came into Iraq. When you're watching people getting their head cut off, we were there. 
And I love the super apostles. Because guess what? Everything we were doing, rescuing, recovering kids, parents killed, and that's an orphan laying in the dirt, and we're bringing that kid to our house? The super apostles would ask me, are you preaching the gospel? Are you preaching the gospel to all the Muslims? And I forget one guy just said, well, I think I've been reduced to living it. But you certainly sound like you know what you're doing. So why don't you come on over? I'll put you in a target-rich environment of a lot of Muslims. Moderate or extreme, you tell me, and then I'll just take notes. Never had one guy take me up on it. Hmm. You know, part of the reason I'm able to do what I do is because of Scripture. And First Joshua 119, or oh, there's no first, it's just a Joshua. I have it tattooed on my back. No, big back tattoo. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. What's the next part? Don't be discouraged. And why? For the Lord thy God is with you. That's it. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.